Good evening. I, uh, I heard, I heard Isaac say that it was really hot up here, and I was like, I was like, it's not that bad. But I was standing back there, like right under an air conditioner, and then I walk up here, and like Isaac is just like pouring. I know, I know, it is the lights. So <clears throat> they are, they are pretty, pretty hot up here. Good evening. How's everybody doing? I should probably look all of you all in the eye when I say that. So, hey, how's everybody doing? Great. Fan, I am doing fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You think you would be scared? Okay, um, I will. Yeah, no. No. Um, Thursday. Thursday morning when we're all in here, I will have pictures of my family. And um, in one of those, I will put up a wedding photo. And you can see what I look like about eight years ago. Um, I, was, I was really baby-faced. That's kind of the scary part. Uh, my seven-year-old, one day I was like, hey, what would you think if Daddy shaved his beard? And he started crying because he's never known me like any other way because I started growing this when he was like five months old I think so uh, he cried one day when I shortened it by like four inches and he was like what happened to your beard I'm like it's still there man don't worry about it so uh, yeah my wife when I started growing it she she didn't really like it because um, she said she felt like she was gonna get attacked by facial hair and um, <laughs> So then about two months later, I was like, I'm thinking about shaving what had grown at that point off. And she was like, um, no, I like it. I was like, you just want me to hide my face. And she was like, wait, wait, no. So um, it's okay. So I, I actually grew it to hide a double chin. So, so yeah, that's, that's why it's <laughs> Steve. <laughs> He's like, yep, yep. So. Uh, anyway, I used to jokingly say, because Uncle Paul was actually redheaded um, when he had hair. Wait, he had hair? Yeah. There are, there are pictures of Uncle Paul with hair, I promise you. Um, so, hey, hey, hey. So I, I jokingly told him that I was growing this out to like give the locks of love one day for him to have like some hair again, but I'm not going to get rid of it, so he won't have it either. So. Um, I, I wanted to write something down and I forgot my pen, so I'm just gonna, hopefully it'll, it'll pop into my head. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to put a marker where I know that I need to be and I'll get there. So, no, I have, I have post-it notes and I have papers and we're all good. We are all good. I, this is, um, you know, last night we talked about like the different ways that Jesus got his hands dirty throughout throughout time on our behalf. And uh, when I go to the New Testament and I get to speak out of the Gospels, I love it because there's so many accounts of like the same occurrence. I can't think of the right word. But, uh, but each one of them comes from a different perspective. Um, Matthew was a tax collector and Luke was a physician. And so when you, when you go and you look at a lot of Matthew's accounts of even the, even the crucifixion, 
it's very point of fact. And it's like this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And then you go to the book of Luke and you read through the, you read through the crucifixion and he looks at like what physically was going on with Jesus at that time. And so you like, even though it's, it's multiple different versions of the same story or the same account um, or event, like you have all of these different viewpoints and, and it kind of creates like this whole picture. And so I was sitting back there and my wife goes, what are you going to teach on? And, and I was going to, I said, like I told her and she started laughing at me um, as she usually does. And I was like, what? And she goes, you always teach on that. And I was like, I don't always teach on that. She goes, every time I've ever heard you, I was like, babe, I can count on one hand how many times you've been to camp and heard me and still have fingers left over. And she just kind of laughed. She goes, well, yeah, that's true too. And uh, it's not that she doesn't want to be here. It's just like family. Did you say she gets bored? Okay. <laughs> well, my ego just depleted tremendously. So no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, she doesn't get bored. No, she doesn't. She doesn't get bored. It's just our boys and like the chaos of, of home and everything. And so, uh, but she, uh, she also, she goes, but that wasn't really the reason that I was, I was laughing. And I was like, why are you laughing? And she goes, because of your t-shirt. And I was like, I look down and all I see is this right here. But like I knew I grabbed a t-shirt out, but I just reached into my closet and I was like, oh, there's a great t-shirt. And I pulled it out and it was inside out. And so when I got changed, like I just put it on and she was laughing because what we're going to talk about tonight is where Peter walks on water and there's a storm in the middle of it. And she was like, your t-shirt says into the storm. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, none of you all were old enough for... Oh, Mary, I think, was this, were you here for the superhero camp? Like where we, where we did like the superheroes? And, okay, okay, a few of you, okay, I couldn't remember if you were, I'm trying to like timeline my world sometimes. Um, but in that one, hey guys, in that one, like I wore, apparently I wore a t-shirt of the superhero that I was going to be talking about. And some of the, some of the, campers picked up on that and so I would actually have like multiple t-shirts in my car and I would have one on when I got here and like some of them would go oh you're talking about the Hulk tonight and then like when I would get up on like the platform to speak I'd have like Superman on and they were like you changed I was like yeah because you all like ruined everything but I had like 13 different shirts for that whole week and uh so this one was not planned. That whole week was. This one was not. Um, but this t-shirt will actually come into play here in a little bit. Uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're actually going to be in Matthew, Mark, and John, but you just need to hang out in Matthew, okay? I'll, I'll traverse the other lily pads of thought that we go through. So... I, uh, Matthew, yes, I did. I did say Matthew. I didn't say any, I didn't say where in Matthew. I, did, I just said Matthew. I usually give people time. I, I grew up in, in church and went to a Christian school, and I never liked it when a chapel speaker would get up and they would be like, 
turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, first da da da, and then they would immediately like start reading because I'm sitting there like scrambling to get where they're going, and it's like, okay, like I was like, I was a sword drill champion. Anybody know what sword drills were? Okay. I notice all the older people are like, yep, and like one guy's over here going like, you're waving a sword around. No, like literally, you stood in front of everybody and you had your Bible turned around with your fingers back here on the binder, up in, yeah, or, or up in the air, and a teacher would call out a passage and then they would go like, go, and you'd have to drop it and like get to it real quick. Um, is it, can, can I, is this a safe place? I'm not saying like millennial safe places. I'm just asking if it's a safe place to be honest with you guys, um, which always cracked me up when a speaker, especially at a, at a camp or a chapel, goes, now I'm going to be honest with you. I would hope so. But in those situations where like we would put our thumbs on the binder of the back, my hands were big enough and I had a small enough Bible I could reach around with my pinky and kind of like cheat a little bit, um, especially because I had like, the little tab indentions in my Bible. So, I know, I said I was being honest with you and I cheated, so. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter number 14. I know you all are like, oh, cheater. It's okay. No. No, I think, I think like, I think the one time I actually won a sword drill, I got like a giant Tootsie Roll and I hate Tootsie Rolls. So, it was like, yay, Tootsie Roll, okay. I'm like the kid that takes like a Tootsie Pop and just eats all the sucker and then throws away the, the Tootsie Roll and the, and the stick, so. Okay, um, Matthew chapter number 14, beginning in verse number 32. So we're all the way, nope, that was, wait a minute. Oh wow, I said verse 32 and I jumped over to chapter 15. Man, 22, there we go. Jesus walks on the water. Verse number 22, now to give you guys a little bit of a heads up, if you look prior in this chapter, uh, up around like verse 13, not up around verse 13, actually starting in verse 13, from 13 to 21, uh, is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And when we hear that story, it's, it's generally understood that it's 5,000 men plus women and children, so there's like this huge number of people that are there, and Jesus is feeding them. Um, if you don't know that story, it's really cool. Like, this little kid is the only person who brought lunch, apparently, and he brought it for himself, and it was five loaves and, like, two fish. And everybody's like, oh, that's a pretty good lunch, but it's, like, sardines and, like, these, like, really cheap rolls that were, like, hard as a rock, so it wasn't very appetizing to everybody. And Jesus literally feeds everybody there with that little kid's lunch and has 12 baskets worth of food left over. So I, I, I tell you that story kind of like real quickly because I want you guys to understand the disciples are about to go through something after witnessing this. And that's going to be key here in a second. So uh, John chapter, or Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22, it says immediately, this is after they've sent the 5,000 away. Uh, it says, bless you. The Bible doesn't say bless you. <laughs> okay. That was, I was like, Bible says, and he's, okay. Um, okay, verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get onto the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So Jesus is dismissing the crowds, and he looks at his disciples, and he goes, hey, guys, I can handle the cleanup. 
you all go on and get in the boat and start heading over. Okay? Now, when, when you kind of get in a position where, like, you're going to be driving places or going somewhere, like, if I'm supposed to be going with somebody and they go, hey, you go on ahead, like, I start asking questions. Like, what time are you going to get there? Are you actually going to come? Because I have been, like, gotten somewhere, and then my friends call me up and be like, yeah, we're not coming. And it's like, I didn't even want to be here. And they're like, yeah, we didn't either, but we sent you ahead, so sorry. You know, but Jesus looks at him and he goes, hey, I'm going to deal with the crowd. I'm going to deal with the cleanup. You guys go on ahead. Nobody asks how Jesus is going to get to where they're going. Because generally, like, they're not jumping in the boat and going out for like a little pleasure cruise and then coming back to the same spot. Like, they're, they're going to the other side. And not one person that the Bible tells us goes, hey, Jesus, how, how are you getting over there? Like, nobody. But he goes, but he goes, you all go. They go, okay. And they go. But nobody goes, how's Jesus getting over there? Oh, they're about to find out. Thank you for asking. Okay. Here we go. Verse number 23. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening was come, he was there alone. Verse number 24, it says, But the boat by this time was a, long, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In one of the passages, it says that the boat was literally overcome with water because of the wind and the waves. And, like, the disciples are freaking out. Like, they are in the middle of the storm. Like, like I told you, like, when I go places... I start checking my weather app. Like I check that first and then I check like my maps app to see how long it's going to take me to get there. And then I try to beat that time. <laughs> but one of the first things I always look at is what's the weather going to be like? And like I have a weather app that tells me to like the minute if a storm's coming or if something's going to happen. Because I hate being unprepared in that situation. And here the disciples are, they think they're just going over to the other side. And then in the middle of their journey, and then when it says that they were a long way from land, here's what I want you guys to realize. You're never so far away that you can't turn around, right? Until you're right smack in the middle. And then it's like, I can either go that way, or I can go the same distance that way. Like you're literally in a spot where your only decision is just to keep going. Like up until that point, you can go, it's a lot farther to get over there than it is to get back to where we are. But Jesus didn't ask them to sail out kind of towards the middle and then turn around and come back. He goes, hey, I'll see you all over there. And so they get right smack in the middle and this storm comes up. And I'm not talking about like a rain and a drizzle or something like that. Like it says the wind was crazy. The Bible tells us that the boat was swamped. It was so overcome with water. And the disciples are freaking the flip out. Okay? I have been in a situation like this. I was out on South Holston Lake, which if you're from this area, you know where that's at. And this huge storm came up. And our, my family's pontoon boat was blowing because it had like a hard top and the wind was blowing so much you could feel it lifting the boat 
with us on it. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so my dad like beaches the boat so that we can get off. And I'm watching the boat like get lifted and the waves are like blowing. And the idiot that I was, I run down into the water with like lightning flashing everywhere because I think I need to hold on to the boat. And my mom comes running down there and grabs me and pulls me away. And she goes, you idiot, it'll pull you out there with it. And she goes, and I don't want you to get electrocuted. And I was like, okay. But like the wind calmed down. But like the disciples were in a much bigger storm. And Jesus isn't there. So it says, uh, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night is one to about three o'clock in the morning. So they've been at this for a while in the middle of this storm. And like they're probably bailing water. I don't know if you've ever seen like these old comedy things like where a boat springs a leak and like one guy's shoveling water in and one guy's shoveling water out. And like, so they're kind of like counterintuitive, like throwing water in and out, but it's all the same amount of water. I can imagine like probably in the chaos of this, the disciples are trying to bail water and one guy's probably just frantically like a dog digging or something. He's just like trying to shuffle it and he's throwing it like just further down the boat. He's not even making it out. And like they are panicked and they are freaking out. And then it says right here and in the fourth watch of the night, and I didn't glance over this, but it hit me. What does it say? In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. You would think. We're going to get to that here in a second, too. She, in case you didn't hear it, she goes, that would take a while. It doesn't say when he left, but you have to remember who's doing this. Okay? My concern is not how long it took him to get there. It's the fact that he got there. So in the middle of the storm, Jesus hasn't forgotten about them. He hasn't neglected them. He's coming to them. But I love this part right here in... Uh, Verse number 26, it says, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Okay, now we all kind of chuckle at that. But you also have to remember, they've never seen anybody walking on water in the middle of a storm. Okay, the only time they've ever seen somebody out in the middle of the storm, out in the middle of this sea, they were in a boat. They weren't walking on the water. So, of course, they're going to think it's a ghost. But a lot of times, like, in our hindsight and, like, our, our pious nature, sometimes we're like, those silly disciples, they should have known it was Jesus. <laughs> like, the wind is blowing. The waves are going crazy. I, I always liken it to this. When you jump into a pool and you go under and you pop back up, can you see anything? Like, you start, like, wiping your face. Like, even in the rain, uh, when I was outside earlier today talking to Stephen, he, he, he hunkered down inside of his golf cart like a, like a smart person, and I'm standing outside of it, and water is, like, hitting my glasses. And I think at one point I even, like, reached up and pulled my glasses off, and then went, that's stupid. They're just going to get rained on again. So I just put them back on. And I still just stood there and talked to him. I could have sat down in the golf cart with him, but I'm standing out in the rain, and water's hitting me in the face and, like, you know, and it was, like I said, it was just a drizzle, but this wind is blowing water everywhere. 
And so they've got water in their face. They've got wind blowing. They've got all this distraction around them. And then they see a figure walking by their boat. He doesn't walk up to the boat. That probably would have scared him even more, but he's just walking by it. And it says that they freak out and they start screaming in fear because they think it's a ghost. And it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. He says, don't be afraid. It's just me, chill out. There was a time when I was in a youth group and there was this girl that was in our youth group and her name was Shavala. I don't know where her parents came up with that name, but I will always remember Shavala. And we were, we were having a overnight event at the church and yeah, lock in. Thank you. And all of the guys decided we should play hide and seek in the dark, like no lights. And so what we did was we kind of got bored with it. Like, you know, we came up with the game and then we got bored playing it. So we went down into the basement where like all of the children's church and Sunday school rooms were. And it had this one big long hallway and one side, of the, one side of the floor had windows in the room, so we closed all of those doors, so it is pitch black down there, because we're in the basement. And we stood about halfway down the hallway in a doorway on the right-hand side, so on the interior, and we left those doors open, and we stood just inside the doors. And Shavala, bless you, and one of her friends come down into the basement for some reason, I don't know if they were coming to hide or if they were trying to find, I can't really remember. And our eyes have adjusted, theirs haven't, because they've just come from like a bright lit place. So they come down into this pitch and they start walking. And you can hear them dragging their hands down the wall. And I kind of peek my head out and I see them coming, but they haven't seen me. And I whisper to my friend Jason, I'm like, we are gonna get in so much trouble. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> and I was like, yep. So to get where we were, you actually walked into like this, this open area kind of like out here. And then there was a hallway and it literally just went about three feet to the left and then it turned to the right and it went the full length of the building. And then it turned right and went to a fire exit. And we we're halfway down that long hallway. So they've come around that, cur that corner and they're walking down through there. And the girl, her name was Holly, that just popped into my head. She's on the left-hand side, Shavala's on the right-hand side, and they're both dragging their hands. And Holly realizes that all the doors on the left-hand side are closed. Shavala, to this point, thinks all the ones on the right-hand side are closed because she hasn't gotten to my door yet. Oh, and so I hear her, and they're getting closer and closer and closer and she gets to the door frame. She goes, I found another door. And she goes, I can't, I can't find the door handle. And I can see her hand <laughs> doing this number. <laughs> I don't see the rest of her because she's just got her hand out here. And I waited for her to like kind of inch a little bit. And she goes, this one's open. And I reached out and grabbed her hand. And I went, because I'm in here. <laughs> they screamed and took off running back down the hallway where they came and both of them slammed into the wall. Okay. 
so. Okay, so, hey. Okay, so listen. Like, I told you that because I wanted you guys to catch this. Okay? They, they can't really see him that well. And so this is kind of the same situation. And then Jesus comes up to him and he goes, hey, it's just me. Don't be afraid. Even if I would have said that to Shavala, the same result would have happened. If I would have just been like, hey, Shavala, it's just me. Like, she still would have freaked out. So, but the disciples, like, they kind of, like, like he, he calls out to him and he goes, hey, don't worry. It's just me. And here's one of the things I love about Peter. Peter's a lot like me. He speaks about 30 seconds before his brain catches up to his mouth. Okay? So Peter has a lot of uh-oh moments. Okay? <laughs> and we are about to experience one of those because Jesus goes, hey, it's just me. Don't be afraid. And the Bible in verse 28 says, and Peter answered him and he goes, Lord, if it really is you, command me to come out on the water. They've been shoveling water out of the boat. They think it's a ghost. They hear Jesus call out to him, and immediately Peter goes, Hey, if it's really you, tell me to come out there with you. And I imagine that this is one of those moments where Peter goes, Let me come out there with you. And his brain goes, Three, two, one. Oh no. <laughs> what have I done? What have I just committed to? And like all of the other disciples, I imagine that at this point, they're all on the same side of the boat staring at Jesus walking out there, and they all go, what? <laughs> like you just said, what? And Peter's like, it's kind of windy. Do you think he heard it? <laughs> like I imagine that that's the case. And check this out. Verse 29, and Jesus said, come. Like, not, hey, if you feel like it, sure, come on out. Water's great. <laughs> no, Peter goes, hey, if that really is you, tell me to come out there. And Jesus goes, come on. Now Peter's in a pickle. Okay? Why is Peter in a pickle? Because Peter has to get out of the safety of the boat. Now, I'm not going to hang out here because I usually like to hang out here and kind of like mimic what I feel like Peter would have done because... I know how I would have done it. Like, my, my in-laws have a pool, and my boys love to swim, and I hate cold water. I also don't like jumping for some reason. And even though I'm just jumping, like, this far into water, it's still, like, 10 feet deep. And my brain is going, I'm jumping off of a ledge into something that's 10 feet down. Like, even though I know the water's going to stop me and I'm going to float, like, my brain still thinks I'm going to hit the bottom and it's going to hurt. And so, like, I'm kind of trepidatious about that and my boys are just like who cares and so they're always like okay let's go three two one and I've done this so many times they go three two one and they stand there and wait for me to move because a lot of times I'll go okay three two one and I'll go like that and they'll just jump in the water and then they get so mad but they've learned it takes daddy a little bit <laughs> and I imagine that Peter's like this he's probably like uh-oh I said that. And then Jesus is like, yeah, come on. And Peter's like, got to go. Now I got to go. And I can imagine him like, you know, very slowly like climbing over the edge of the boat and like looking out at Jesus and going, I'm getting there. Hang on a second. <laughs> like I got to get out of the boat, you know, 
Like, just hang on. And then he's like sitting on the edge and he's like, but that water's kind of rough. Like, I'm kind of saying all this because I feel like that's how I would do. But what does the Bible tell us? It says, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Like, it doesn't say Peter goes, hang on a second, let me get my courage up. Hang on a second, let me make sure that there's not somebody else that wants to come with me and hold my hand. Like, Peter goes, hey, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus goes, come. And Peter goes, okay. And gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. Miracle number one, Jesus walks on the water. Miracle number two, Peter walks on the water. And this is a part where we always like to criticize Peter. Because all of a sudden, he gets away from the safety of the boat, and he's out on this water with the wind and the waves just going bananas around him. And he's like, oh my goodness. And he gets distracted, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And what happens? He begins to sink. He begins to sink. And when you, re- when you ask the question, I love the fact that you asked this question. When I said, you know, middle of the night, Jesus is walking out to him, and you're like, must have taken him a while. It doesn't tell us how far Jesus was away from the boat, but it was far enough away that he had to yell at them. Peter had to yell back, and he had to say, hey, you come out to me. And I don't imagine Jesus was like on the, edge of the, on the, on the side of the boat, like I am in the pool with my, with my little guys going, okay, come on. You jump out, I'll catch you. No, like he had to walk out to him. And like the wind's going crazy and Peter starts to sink. And as he begins to sink, he begins to realize that everything that's surrounding him is trying to overcome him. And he starts panicking and he begins to sink deeper. And then he begins to cry out for help. And the Bible tells us that immediately Jesus is there and picks him up and puts him over in the boat. Immediately. He's God. It doesn't matter that, like, he may not have started walking on the shore. He may have just started three feet away from where he really wanted to be and just started walking. Because the Bible tells us that immediately Jesus is there lifting Peter up. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think I've used it before and I didn't bring it with me tonight to use, but there's a painting that somebody did of Peter's view of Jesus during this moment, and it's from actually under the water. And, like, you can see Jesus, like, on the, on the top part of the water and his hands coming through the water. And it's one of the coolest pictures. I'll try to find it and email it to you because it's really, it's a really cool visual. Because I imagine that that's really what happened. Like, Peter is literally under the water. Like, he, as he's crying out, like, a wave just overtakes him. And the reason that I say that is because a lot of times when, we're, when we are in the middle of a storm, we feel like all hope is lost, and wh- what else is there? Like, I'm, I'm done for. Like, this storm's going to do me in. But when we call out to Jesus, the hand comes breaking the surface and grabs us and pulls us back up. But a lot of times we like, we like to look at Peter, and we like to go, man, you're crazy. Look at the faith that you didn't have. Like you got out there walking on the water and then you like lost sight of it and you started sinking. Yeah, it's easy to criticize Peter because he took that step. There were 11 idiots still in the boat. And I say idiots because I always like to put it this way. 
not one of them had the courage like Peter to say, wait a minute, that's Jesus. He's walking on the water. I want to go out there too. And then when Peter got out of the boat and started walking, they're like a lot of us. They're like, Man, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to stand back here and see if he fails or see if he succeeds. We're just going to hang out. Hang on a second. We're just going to see if he succeeds. And I'm sure that like when he got back in the boat, somebody was like, yep, knew that was going to happen. <laughs> like I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but you're, you, you stayed in the boat. Peter got out. Peter got out of the boat. They didn't. And we're so quick to, to, to chastise Peter. It says, verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? It says, and when they got back in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. So miracle number one, Jesus walks on the water. Miracle number two, Peter walks on the water. Miracle number three, when Jesus came to them and was in the boat with them, their storm ceased. Like the storm that came up to try them and to test them and to prove them ceased when Jesus showed up. And there's a lot of times like where God's going to have us go through a storm. And it might be a storm where he needs us to be in it for a little while so he can teach us something. And then when we call out to him and he comes to us, then it calms. And it might be a storm that when we call out to him and we're like, God, it's too much. Like I'm being overtaken. Like I need your help. And he comes to us and he goes, we'll go through it together. It's still going to be a little bumpy. It's still going to be a little windy and you're still going to get a little bit wet, but I'm here. You don't have to worry. There's a few things that we can see from this. And I want you, I want you guys to, to hear these. Number one is peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but in the presence of Jesus. Like their relief, yeah, was probably in that the storm was gone, but then they realized that the storm was gone because Jesus was with them. Peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but in the presence of Jesus. Number two, faith requires us to step out of the boat. Like we like to look at Peter and go, ah, what a dummy. He got out of the boat. Yeah, but it took faith to get out of the boat. Like there's some of you all here, and it may not be, a, it may not be like a storm that's going to tear you down. It's a storm that God's putting in your life because he's calling you to come out of the boat. He's calling you to come out of your comfortable family, your friendships. Your Zen, thank you. He's calling you to come out of your comfort zone to do something greater. And it requires faith to step out of the boat. I, I was reading something that a guy said like about this passage, and he goes, and it, it was kind of funny because this account is not in the Bible, but he goes, he goes, I can imagine that the next time that Peter was in that situation where he had an opportunity to get out of the boat and take off walking, 
he did it a whole lot more confidently than he did the first time. Because we learn in those situations. Um, I'm going to continue my, my movie craziness from this morning. Uh, there's a movie called Ever After, and it's a Cinderella movie. Okay, my wife, here's the funny thing. My wife hates that movie. I like that movie, okay? I like all these weird, like, kind of, not girly movies, but, like, what you would consider, like, sappy movies like that. And my wife is like, you were such a girl. And I'm like, you have no emotions. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. But in that one, if you've never seen it, it's literally a story like Cinderella. There's a prince, there's a poor girl, but the prince is being taught by Leonardo da Vinci. Not Leonardo the Ninja Turtle, like Leonardo the philosopher, painter, sculptor, everybody. And he, they are, they are at a river, and da Vinci says he's going to walk on water. And he has these little miniature boats that he ties to his feet so that he can go walk on water. Now my wife, in her way of thinking, she goes, He's not walking on water, he's walking on boats. They just happen to be in the water. And I just go, just suspend belief for a little bit and just go with it. But it's really funny because he's out there and he's walking and you can tell there's a board right below the water that he's stepping on. But it's really funny because the boats that he ties onto his feet are like these V-hull boats. And when he falls and loses his balance, they're flat. Like, as, as he's falling, like, you realize that they're flat because he's walking on this thing. Yeah, like, that's not what was happening here. Like, feet were getting wet. Sandals were probably soaked. Like, the hem of their garments were, were saturated. Like, they were literally walking on water. <coughs> so, uh, the, yeah, the next time Peter was, like, if he was faced with that situation, I don't know why he would unless he just goes, hey, guys, you want to look what I can do? And, like, climbs out of the boat. You know, he, like, he does it with more confidence. And we're that same way. It's like, hey, you know what? God taught me in this storm, and I know that I can overcome that. And so the next time something like that comes up, we go, hey, I know how to do that. I know how to overcome that. And it's because we're in the presence of Jesus that we find peace to know that we can confidently come through those storms again. Here's another thing. Without Jesus, we sink. Without Jesus, we sink. Like, I don't know if, if Peter would have been like, hey, that's Jesus, and just scrambled and took off. He probably would have just done what everybody else would have done and just dove into the water and just started swimming out to Jesus. So as much as we want to criticize Peter, and it's funny when I'm up here and I say it, where, you know, Peter's like, hey, if that's you, tell me to come out here and, and come out there. And Jesus goes, come on. You know, and I, it's funny to kind of go, Peter was probably like, uh-oh. But Peter goes, hey, because you are who I know you are, and because of the things I have seen you do, do even tonight, feeding 5,000 people with a little kid's lunch, and now you're walking on water, I want to do that. But you have to be the one that tells me to do it. And that's what happens there, because Peter goes, hey, if that's really you, tell me to come. And Jesus goes, come. And Peter goes, Okay, and Peter starts to climb out of the boat. Without Jesus, Peter sinks. Without Jesus in our life, anything that we try to do, without God's direction and God's leading and God going, hey, yeah, come on, 
we're going to sink and we're going to start to falter. And we need Jesus so we don't sink. I think it's number four. <clears throat> and Isaac, you hit on this tonight, and I loved it. Like, I love when you said this. He was like, it wasn't that he was rebuking you guys, but he goes, hey, if you all understood what we're about to sing, you wouldn't be talking. You'd be, you'd be ready and preparing your heart to worship. Because what happens at the end of this chapter, or at the end of this passage, it says, and when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped. It says they worshipped him. Worship should be our response when Jesus calms a storm, when Jesus brings us through a storm. And too often in my own life, when, when something like that comes up, and God goes, hey, we're going to get through this, and the wind ceases, and the storm passes, and I continue on the journey that I'm going on, there's a lot of times where I don't go, hey, thank you. Thank you for bringing me through that. Thank you for calming the storm. And sometimes it's days later, sometimes it's months where I go, oh my goodness. And I go, God, thank you for the storm. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for, for calming the storm. Like worship needs to be our response in those times. And a lot of times we just go, eh, and just continue on our way. And then the last one, and we kind of talked about this a little bit last night and this morning. It's when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to call out to him and go, hey, if it's really you, you tell me to come to you. You tell me to come after you. You tell me to follow you. And he says, come on. When we take that step of faith and we start to follow Jesus, incredible things are going to happen to us, through us, all for his glory. And I'm not up here teaching like a prosperity gospel. But what I'm saying is like you'll, you'll look back on your life and you'll go, wow. Like God brought me through that. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 45. And throughout it, it says, I am God and there is none else. I am God, there is no one beside me. And in that passage, it says, God says to Isaiah the prophet who's speaking to Israel, he says, I'm going to go before you and make the crooked places straight. I'm going to cut in pieces the gates of brass and the bars of iron. I'm going to bring the low places high and I'm going to bring the high places low. And I'm going to lay out treasures for you that you, you don't even know about right now. Like God is going before us. And all he's asking us to do is follow. He's standing outside the boat in the middle of the water, in the middle of a storm, in just the middle of the chaos of this world, and he's going, come on. Come on. All you have to do is come. All you have to do is come. And I told you that I was going to, since my wife pointed out that I wore this shirt, I was going to share with you what was really neat about it. Um, the shirt came from a place called Froning Farms, and Rich Froning, who, who owns it, um, is a CrossFit athlete, and he's won, like, nine championships, uh, in CrossFit, 
over like the last 10 years. And it's, yes, I'll explain in a minute. Come find me afterwards. His first competition, he finished second. And he said during the off season, he was sitting there with his wife and he goes, I know why I finished second. She said, why is that? And he goes, because I was doing it to get my name out there. He said, I was doing it to make myself greater. And he said in that moment, he realized that if he was going to succeed in anything, he had to follow Christ. And he had to put God always before him, and he had to always be striving. And he's never lost a competition that he's been entered in since. He's had teammates that have changed, but the result is always the same. And so he has this farm, like outside of Nashville, where he raises bison. And it's called Froning Farms. And he has this t-shirt, and it's called Into the Storm. And I always just thought it was a cool t-shirt. Because, like I said, I always kind of like this passage, and I just think that the phrase is really cool. But the reason that he has this phrase is because he said he learned something from the bison that he raises. And I want to read to you what it said. He said, when bison are up against a storm, they turn to meet it head on. They square their shoulders and brace against its power. They never try to avoid the hardship. What he says is instead of turning and running away from the storm that's going to eventually chase them and overcome them anyway, they turn and they face it head on and they run into the storm. Knowing that if they do that, the storm's not going to last that long. And that there's peace on the other side. And I told my wife, I was like, wow. And she goes, you're stubborn like a bison. And I was like, thank you. But I thought about that, and I was like, man, too many times in my life a storm has come up, and I've been like, uh, I'm going to go this way. Because if I go that way, maybe I can figure out how to, how to handle that storm. And God's going, no, I need you to go through the storm. I need you to come through it. I need you to come onto the other side of it. Because that's where I'm going to be. I'm waiting for you. Let's go. I need to teach you something. And so, like, I wear this T-shirt to remind myself sometimes that that's how I need to be. Because God is standing there and he's going, hey, I need you to come to me. I don't need you to run away from me. I need you to come this way. I just need you to follow. I need you to have faith to get out of the boat and come here. Because you're not going to find peace running from the storm. You're not going to find peace when, the, like, your, your peace is not if the storm is done. Your peace is with me. Your peace is when you're with me. And I'm still learning that. And I pray that I continue to still learn that. Because I want that to always be before me where I'm always striving to go where he wants me to be. And to know that he's where my peace comes from. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you again for another evening. God, in the truth of your word, thank you for letting us have a little bit of fun and laughing. And God, thank you for the challenge of whatever storm you have 
for us. Father, I pray that you give us the courage to, Father, just simply to get out of the boat and come to you. I, I, I don't know what storm, and when I say storm, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad thing, but I don't know what God has before you that he needs you to just get out of the boat and come to him. It could be something as simple as talking to a family member or, or talking to a friend about this man Jesus and what he's done in your life and what he can do in theirs. It, it might be going on a, on a mission trip. It might be becoming a missionary. It might be student ministry. It might be camp. I don't know. But whatever it is, my prayer is that you have the faith, like Peter, to go, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come. And I'll come, no questions asked. No hesitation. Because you are where I'm going to find my peace. You are where I'm going to find my answers. Father, again, we thank you for the storms that pop up in our life. God, for the times that test us and strengthen us. Father, I pray you continue to give us courage to just step out of the boat and follow you.